Welcome to From What If to What Next, your fortnightly vaccination against the disimagination machine. Developed in our open source labs to be effective against all known strains of despondency, cynicism and resignation. This is the podcast where the following words and terms are outlawed, can't, impossible, yes but and unimaginable. I'm Rob Hopkins and thank you so much for joining me here in this corner of your life that we both know is becoming increasingly precious to you. A place where the candle of possibility still burns in spite of the wild winds racing around outside, rattling your window frames. If you've enjoyed this and other podcasts in this series or our bonus Ministry of Imagination episodes or some of our one-to-one interviews like our recent conversation with Brian Eno, this is where I suggest that you might like to support what we do here by subscribing at patreon.com slash from what if to what next. It really does enable us to keep doing this and for the price of, according to the website of a leading supermarket chain, one packet of Weetabix, two packets of chocolate digestives or three large packets of crisps a month, you'll get at every episode the moment it's released and so much more besides. Thank you. And so, to today's episode. Today we're talking about failure. J.K. Rowling once wrote in a quote that I love, it's impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you have failed by default. We live in a culture terrified of failure, in a culture that views failure negatively rather than as an inevitable part of any creative process. Anyone in the public eye seen as failing is picked to bits, hung out to dry as an example to others. This builds a culture of risk aversion in which we are far less likely to take risks, to try bold and experimental things, rather to stick with what we know for fear of failing. A friend once told me that it was vital to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. Thomas Edison, credited with inventing the first commercially viable light bulb, is famously said to have created over 10,000 prototypes, all failures, before hitting on the successful design. When he was at somewhere like the 9,000 prototypes mark, a journalist asked him if he felt like a failure and should give up. To which he replied, why would I feel like a failure? And why would I ever give up? I now know definitively over 9,000 ways an electric light bulb will not work. Success is almost in my grasp. In these days of the climate and ecological emergency, where we need big, bold and brilliant ideas, might our terror of failure be stifling the very creativity our survival depends on? Might a culture that embraced failure, celebrated failure even, be more appropriate for our times? How can we become better at failing? And so our question for today's abject failure of a podcast is, what if we learned to celebrate failure? I'm joined today by two remarkable failures. Social visionary, entrepreneur and thought leader Simon Cohen strives to make the world a happier and more fulfilled place. He's uniquely placed as an individual who gave away his £1 million company, Global Tolerance, a champion for media ethics, social justice and values. He expounds his wisdom as an international keynote speaker. He's also the first person in the UK to place an entire company on a one-year sabbatical. And Carlos Zimbrun is the co-founder and CEO of Fuck Up Incorporated. He's also the co-founder of We Are Todos, a cultural space, an architect, art and history lover who describes himself as always curious and was described by the Economic Times of India as not glamorising failure, just embracing it. Thank you both so much for joining me and welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you, Rob, for the invitation. 
So, welcome, and I'd like to start with an exercise. I'd like to invite you both to close your eyes and to get comfortable and to take a breath. And I'd like you to imagine that thanks to the time machine I have here that I built recently from some plans I found in an old magazine I found in the loft, that we're travelling forwards to 2030. The 2030 that we travel to is not a utopia, but rather it's the result of our doing everything we possibly could over the intervening nine years. The years we travel through, rushing past us like wind on our faces, were a time of incredible change and transition, unimaginable in 2021. And the 2030 that we emerge into is no utopia, but it is the result of deep and transformative change, a zero-carbon future that's resilient, connected, diverse, just, more equal, more delicious. It's a world where failure is celebrated. In business, education, politics, culture, everything. We now live in a culture where the cultivation of failure is one of the intentions of our education system. I'd like to invite you to take us on a walk through such a future. How is it different from 2021? What do you see, smell, taste, feel that is different from 2021 as a result of this shift? Describe it to us. Simon? Well, it's summer in Cornwall, and I, as I wake, I can hear the symphony of birdsong. I open the windows upstairs, and the smell of fresh sea air fills my nostrils. And the lichen clings to the trees in the garden, a sign of the clean air that swept through Britain in the years since the coronavirus pandemic, when we finally learned that we humans, like a virus, had to mutate to adapt to our host environment, the Earth. I turn on the news and to see the Prime Minister giving her latest apology, which starts, I really don't know what happened and I'm so sorry. Elton John is ringing out on the speakers downstairs as the girls sing his new track, Sorry Seems to Be the Easiest Word, for we're now in a world where honesty and humility are badges of honour in public and private life. Kate, my wife, is listening to the business news, yet another story about a local company that's failed to make a financial profit and has reframed profit in the sense of having a benefit and serving the community. I go downstairs to the cacophony of families around the breakfast table, impassioned arguments where they disagree well, dogs running riot, burnt toast, school uniforms being hurriedly put on. You see, after the shock of social distancing in the early 2020s and the failure of solitary parents and families to stay on their pedestals of perfection, there was a mass movement towards more communal living. So we now all fail together rather than alone. The girls who are now 12, 16 and 17 say goodbye and go off to their school, which is affectionately called Wipeout, an outdoor school that celebrates failure and honest effort in the same way that the kids down the local beach cheer for someone after a great wipeout in the surf. Their school motto is Nanakorobi Yaoki, which is a Japanese proverb, meaning fall down seven times, get up eight. For them, failure is not about succumbing to mediocrity, but embracing honesty and trying our best. And as we all now work three days a week because we're propped up by a universal basic income, there's more time for us to rest than, well, whatever our heart song is. I go for a walk, a seagull screams above. There's a man crying on the pavement, people huddled around him because his mother died. And grief is now public, distributed. People no longer smile to the camera if they don't feel happy as we collectively revel in the failure to be perpetually happy or even okay. 
And after this long day in nature, I return home and see Kate, one of the many women in public life admired for their strength and feminine power. Still my inspiration and wife, and still it's a failed marriage. Not in the way people used to think of a failed marriage, but one that is forgiving, tender, and relishing in the possibilities within our failures, our brokenness to live more and love more deeply. Wow, beautiful. Thank you, Simon. Amazing. Carlos? Yeah, that was really great, Simon. Uh, the world feels lighter. Uh, the conversation's probably more vulnerable. If you walk on the, on the street, the sensation is of a certain freshness, connection, more connection between people. This idea of fear has disappeared. The fear of making mistakes disappeared. Also, the decision at the school, at work, between relationships and families are more natural. Uh, there's a great weight less on everyone's shoulders. The air is less thick. And also the decisions are no longer based on the current success. The failure is not the same, right? The, also the success is not the same. The industries and the companies change their mindsets and, and societies change more focus on what is really important, freedom, love, friendship, adventure, solidarity, family. I think the relationship between success and failure it's symbiotic, so it's constantly balanced. So if the idea of failure change, also the idea of success change. Mm. Thank you. Thank you both so much. Wonderful. So I wonder if I might start by asking you if you could both share a time in your life when you failed and what, looking back, you gained from and learned from that experience. Uh, Carlos? I'm going to go back. and I remember uh, when I was around 10 or 11 years old, my grandmother here in, in Mexico, she had a, like a little ranch and they used to grow uh, apples. And she asked me if I want to sell some of those foods. And of course, I went to earn a little extra money uh, as, a, as a little kid. She decided to sell me the fruit. She didn't give me for free. She, she, sell, she sold me the fruit. I asked my mom a uh, loan for that new endeavor. I didn't sell any, any of the fruit because I didn't know how. I just gave the fruit to my mom and we ate fruit in the morning every day and we have like smooth. Of the, from that fruit and desserts from that fruit every day of the week. And then I, I went with my grandmother and I, I want to say that my grandmother didn't have any kind of scholarship uh, st studies in, in, of any kind. But she said me something that was important for me then and is important for me now that you are not a fail. You just fail selling fruits and you, if you try selling fruit again, probably you're going to sell something. And she has gave me some tips and I start selling fruit. And then I have like a, all the summer, I have a, a really good income for a year old kid. And I think that was super for me, even I, I was like a little kid. She didn't give you the money back then for the fruit. <laughs> no, of course not. Like, that was part of the, 
a lesson. <laughs> Thank you, Simon. And she sounds like a shrewd businesswoman. She she sounds tough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love that, and I love also the the important nuance between failing at something and not being a failure yourself, mm. and this difference between kind of guilt and shame that Brené Brown talks about a lot, that you can fail at doing things, but it doesn't make you a failure. And I think that's really, really lovely. Well, I failed at, at, at many things. And um, in your introduction, you you, met, you kindly mentioned that I, I gave away this million pound company, which sounds all very grandiose and, and lovely. And ultimately that failed quite miserably. In terms of its stated objectives, I gave away this communications agency uh, called Global Tolerance that was all about spreading positive social messages. When Kate, my wife, became pregnant, I realized that I wanted to dedicate more of my time to my family and wanted the company, which I saw as bigger than myself, uh, it was called Global Tolerance, for goodness sake, as bigger than myself, to for it to live on and I couldn't give it the time and attention that it deserved so I I gave it away through this this uh quite comprehensive process that I thought was really well planned and quite brilliant actually and I gave it away to two uh very talented women and the whole objective was so that global tolerance would live on for another 10 years 20 years beyond and unfortunately after about two years, the company closed. And uh, I learned a huge amount from that. One was that while it was a lovely idea to give away a company that I founded 10 years previously, the reality really confronted myself with my ego. You want to change it? You want to do these things? But that's my baby, you know? And I, so I, I realized that I had a lot of work to do in terms of my my ego. But I also recognize on that note that a lot of my own identity was wrapped up in what I was doing, the, you know, being the founder and managing director, these sort of titles of attribution rather than my why, my purpose, the, the very values of why I set it up and gave away the company in the first place. And so I, I realized that Again, while I may have lost or given away my what, that my my why, my purpose was still intact. So, Simon, why do you think it is that we are so averse to failure? Why does it get such a bad rap? What are we What are we frightened of? Oh, what are we frightened of? I think I think I'm. I speak for myself. I am frightened of being enough, just as I am. I think that's the the, the core of it. And part of our, our kind of cultural cues are around selling stuff. You know, our, all of our systems are based around uh, contributing to our, our GDP, our economic consumerist machine. That whole machine and those cultural cues are, depend on us never feeling enough. If I feel I am enough as I am, then I have no reason to want something else or to buy something else. If I'm happy with the iPhone 10, why on earth would I want to buy an iPhone 11? And so a lot of the cultural input is around this inbuilt idea that I am not enough, you are not enough, and therefore projecting this idea of a perfect life, a perfect wife, a perfect home, a perfect body, which is a deception. and. It takes a great 
act of courage in lieu of a community and a culture that propagates this idea that we are all innately enough and worthy of love as we are. Um, it takes a great deal of courage to step towards that and say no to the conventional wisdom and go against the average 400 marketing messages we're exposed to every single day and say, you know what, I'm okay in my imperfect way. Mm-hmm. Carlos? Yeah, actually, it's similar to that. Like the um, idea of perfection that the system and the, the system, I mean, starting with the family and then with the school and then with the friends and then with the economic system and then with the media, that idea of perfection that make us frightened all the time about not being at the at the same level of every little detail for me fear is uh, it's in every detail all the time we're always frightened about everything not only the big things or the big fails but the small ones and 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 understand that all that decisions that we made are based on fear i think for me it's the, the, the idea of why we are so negative about failure because failure for me, it's, a, it's really similar to the concept of fear. And this idea that failure is a bad thing is drilled into us from when we were at school. I wonder what our education system would look like if it valued failure and nurtured a willingness to fail and to take risks. How would it look different to, to how it is today, Carlos? I, I imagine, and we have these conversations all the time between the, the team, the Fuck Up Nights team and the founders. What if the education system uh, start from the bottom, like teaching the concept of failure and understanding the concept of failure and normalize the, the concept of failure? And for us, is that like normalize the idea of sharing your mistakes as a little kid? not only in the school, but also at home, you know, like you always are, are frightened about doing something bad because I don't know, your, your, your parents said that it's bad and you are frightened to say what you did or what happened because you think it's a, it's a mistake. And then of course the school is a, another structure that, that made you more afraid about, about that because the way they they value you is through mistakes all the time, right? Like the average system of how you get a grade, it's a way to to validate your failure in some way or not validate your failure. Mm. Simon? We home educate our, our children even before the... Uh, uh, the pandemic and all parents are home educating their their children, and I I'm afraid that I fall into that kind of correcting behaviour and saying oh that's wrong or correcting spelling and and watched out that for that tree and I think as Carlos was saying you know a lot of this is sort of conditioned fear and that I'm I I need to recondition my own thinking but within the the education system itself i don't know about you but when i was at school when we got grades we got something like a a letter and a number and the letter was for attainment and the number was for effort so you get like a1 which would mean maximum attainment maximum effort i wondered if we would like flip the scripts a little bit and change them to like rugby scores and weighting 
So you get five points for I. So for really, really trying for like effort and dedication and devotion and two points for a conversion like for actually getting the intended result. Because I think ultimately the grading, as, as Carlos mentioned, the, the actual grades, the system by which we define success, if the weighting is always around the conversion and the attainment rather than the trying and the effort and the dedication and the devotion, then it's always going to be misguided. So rugby, that's, that's my solution. <laughs> Fantastic. What would a culture that celebrates failure look like? Carlos, you, you host events called Fuck Up Nights, evenings where tales of failure are shared and celebrated. Could you tell us a, a, what, what happens at a fuck up night and what else might it look like if the celebration of failure ran more publicly through our culture? Carlos? Yeah, well, it's a event series that one, one person that presents two or three speakers uh, that shares their professional failure. We have this event mainly in bars or in like more informal venues. Also, that makes more festive the environment, right? But we, we don't like to say that we celebrate failure. We, we like to say that we just put on the table the conversation. We like more to, to say that we embrace the idea of failure. Uh, we embrace failure. And it's emotional in so many ways. Uh, not only it could be sad, it could be funny, it could be difficult and tense. I think that we celebrate is vulnerability more than failure. The idea of be open and the catharsis that you can have telling your failure openly. Most of the, the people have never shared their failure uh, in front of more than one person probably or their or their therapist yeah it's in some way it's festive but also it's like more real i think we want to make uh, failure real and normalize failure i think that's the first step and then probably we can celebrate it as, as simon said in, in in a way of trying in a way of the best or, or, or in the best way you you can so Simon, what do you think it would look like if we had a celebration of if celebration of failure or, or embracing of failure ran through our culture? Well, I think it's kind of happening now um, on a global scale. I I I don't know if you've been having these similar conversations with friends and indeed others when I'm when I ask people how are you doing, you know, rather than the Britishism of I'm fine, how are you? A lot of the responses I'm getting is I'm really struggling. And that, for me, has got a lot of promise and potential for this society that we are invoking with this conversation and inviting with this conversation. It's okay to not be okay. And I think that for those conversations to be on the mainstream is excellent. What I do feel is really important is that the those in leadership positions or those role models, those people that we celebrate in society do need to lead by example because our children look to them and we ultimately look to them. And I feel that if our, our leaders and our role models model that imperfection, that honesty, not honesty because it, it will work well with a certain section of voters and it's a good soundbite, but real, genuine, deep-seated, 
heart-aching honesty about how things are. Um, I think that that will really open up in an empathic and compassionate space and compassion in our society, and that can only be a good thing. And Mexico, Carlos's home country, is, is, a, is a wonderful place and space for that. I, I was in Mexico last, um, well, two years ago now, during Dia de los Muertos, and this open grieving and open celebration of of death and ancestors and connecting in in that way is is just one example of uh of letting in death and grief which are ultimately failures of immortality or um into the fabric of our lives and making them okay and making them not taboo it's while failure is a taboo that's what gives it power so bringing in our our suffering, bringing in our not okayness, is fundamental at every level of our society. Uh, what advice would you have for people who are listening who would like to cultivate in their own lives the ability to become better at failing or to embrace failure or at least not to beat themselves up when they do fail? Where where should we start? Well, I start with my kids every time. I mean, I've got I've I've, I've got perfect teachers in failure at the moment. So I've got a uh, a two-year-old, a six-year-old, and a seven-year-old. And the two-year-old, Zena, she's going through this remarkable process of speaking. And this may not be a language that you or I uh, can understand or discern. We don't have that wisdom yet. But she is just trying. And, you know, if you want to giggle for half an hour, ask her to say the word cucumber. But she, she's got no sense of inner critic, no sense of, oh, I said that wrong, no no one else to correct her either as well so no inner or external critic and she's able to experiment and play with language and our six-year-old is playing with her uh, imagination and climbing trees and falling down from them our seven-year-old is writing stories and with very creative spelling and grammatical approach as well and there's something so liberating particularly from a con- being a conditioned parent as well and feeling that temptation to correct them and say no that's wrong and I do fall into that um, quite a lot of the time but when I don't and I just watch them and see the sparkle in their eyes and see their them learning by doing not by learning by being told um, it's such a beautiful to be so I say just spend lots of time with small children <laughs> listen and learn glorious Carlos that's a great advice actually well uh, first you can attend to a fog of night <laughs> <laughs> no what I'm trying to say is the same that uh, Simon is saying it's to learn from others right so if you watch a video about someone that it's a failure like probably you're gonna be more inspired about that, uh, be open uh, uh, with that idea. Also, like I try to, I'm a kind of uh, perfectionist in some areas of my life. Uh, For example, in my house, I like to have it like perfect and tidy and everything. And then I I stop doing that. Like if I, I don't know, I broke a, a glass or a mug or something like, I just leave it like that and then like, put it in the trash and that's it. And, and I, I, I try with little things, right? With little things, that little mistakes that you have. Also, we made a, in Fuck Up Nights, we, we have this exercise of, uh, we assume that every person in the 
world have failed. So we we have this exercise. What you what did you fail this week or this day or the last hour? So if you if you made that exercise, you're gonna find a little a little failure um, every day, every hour, every minute. Uh, so you are gonna understand that it's something more natural in your life than you thought because you deny for a long time you think that failure is something like more specific or something bigger but it it's not it's something that happened all the time every day and if you do that exercise it's like a failure meditation you know mindfulness uh, about what i'm doing now that and and now i'm thinking what i am failing it's not something it's, it's not that it's in the past it's happening and it's going to happen so it's more temporal in that way Mm-hmm. One of the best bits of advice of I was ever given when I had my first child was you can have two of the three following things. You can have a tidy house, you can have a happy, loving relationship with your partner, or, or you can have a happy child, but you can only have two of those three things and something has to give. So my kids always talk about how they felt like they grew up in the, in like the Weasley's house in the Harry Potter books. I love that. Everything's mm-hmm. slightly chaotic, but it hangs together, but there's a lot of love there, which always feels like a, something to aim for. So just, I wondered to close if there were, if there was, if either of you, both of you had an example of something that you've come across in your own work or people you've met whose failures and their embracing of those failures have yielded something that was initially really unimaginable, you know, to kind of give us maybe a sense of the, of the potential fruit that awaits us out on, out on the limb in that way. Uh, Simon. Yeah, but the first thing that comes to my mind is my dear friend, um, Dr. Mark Williamson, who's the Director of Action for Happiness, uh, this wonderful global movement for a happier world. And he says that he's in a critic when he does something wrong, when he fails, the way he speaks to himself inside of his head is just obscene. And he will use the F word just constantly. And he's, and he's just such a... a a kind of gentleman on the outside and he surprises himself but he came up with this acronym which is friendly useful calm and kind <laughs> so whenever he whenever he hears that he uses that as a cue and an indication for himself to be friendly useful calm and kind and it really has taken the heat out of his inner critic and i've been trying this as well as a little mindful mantra to be friendly useful calm and kind whenever the obscenities in the inner critic come out <laughs> wonderful thank you uh, carlos basically i'm going to tell the story of the last 10 months of fuck up nights probably that's a good one as you know we are a events company and the world changed a lot for the events the last the last year we were just in the in the middle of a super crisis and we were deciding if we are going we were gonna just close the company uh, share the last failure of fuck up nights with our own failure or keep trying we decide to change everything like everything from the like there used to be another director another ceo before and we changed the direction we changed the the format we changed uh, part of the theme we changed a lot of things that were like super different that are super different now from 
what we were doing before. And I think that change, if I see the old Fuck of Nights and I compare it to the Fuck of Nights today, I'm more happy with the one that it's happening now because we were in like a comfort zone before, like we were growing and we were really happy with the bands and everything, but we weren't like doing crazy stuff. Like we started this project, like because we just decided to make a crazy thing and we were, weren't doing that. And now we are trying new and different stuff and we are more creative and we don't care about, we care more about the project and as, uh, someone said at the beginning, like, where is your your heart and your soul? And I think now the project and the company is more focused on on that, on the the soul and the heart of of the of the roots, no, of the the roots of the project. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for for, for joining me here at uh, from what if to what next, and um, thank you so much for all of your input and delightful uh, contribution. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. My deepest thanks to my guests, to you for listening and for supporting this podcast and to Ben Adicott for theme music and production. And we'll see you next time.